morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Thursday, May 4th, we are studying 2 John. In today's text, St. John writes to the elect lady and her children to encourage Christians to walk in truth and in love. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Harrison Goodman. Pastor Goodman serves as content executive for the Lutheran youth organization Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Good to be with you. We get to read an entire book of the Bible today, Pastor Goodman. Yeah, we're going to go really, really fast, or it will be 13 verses. <laughs> so Second John is one chapter long. It is 13 verses long, as you said. We haven't read anything from it. We're reading the whole epistle today. But in terms of context, what should we know about John, what we've seen from him elsewhere in the scriptures, anything that'll help us with the words that we have from Second John today? So we're going to go with same guy. Um, and there, there are people who bicker about this, but we're going to go ahead and go with same guy. This is the blessed apostle, the, the, the apostle whom Jesus loved, uh, the, the apostle who, who penned not only the gospel of John, but also first John. And I'm going to go ahead and say third John. Um, we're going to also give him the book of Revelation. Uh, and so the, the themes, the, the characterizations, the, the, um, well, even in sometimes the antagonists are going to be very similar. Uh, second John is, is, uh, in, in a lot of ways, almost it's, if you would consider it like a cover letter to First John, um, it, it might actually make a lot of sense. It's, it's almost going to be just sort of a little encapsulation of it. Like, I'm just going to add this little bit to, to add this nicety. It's, it's the cover letter that you put on the letter that you're sending to lots of places because John, when he wrote these uh, these epistles, um, he, even uh, in Second John, I'm going to go ahead and push and say he, he meant these to be read in a wider context than just by one lady of, of one particular home. Um, and so when he starts to attach these cover letters to, to talk about sort of the wider themes at the church, when he talks about the, the saints uh, in sort of a wider context, we get to sort of, again, reflect on what we already know of the same blessed apostle because it, it's, it's the same guy. Uh, and so even though if you, you might not have a lot of familiarity with the, the particular epistle of Second John, um, there are, there are themes that, that you know from the Gospel of John. There are themes that you know because everybody pokes around in Revelation at least a little bit in college. Um, but um, at the same time, um, we, we can sort of fall back on those familiarities. Yeah, that's right. So so Second John, that's the name of the epistle. I suppose whether it was written first, second, or third, maybe as a cover letter, that's an intriguing thought. Having just finished First John here on Sharper Iron and reading Second John in preparation for our conversation, it is remarkable how much of the same language, the same themes John uses. Before we read the whole thing, since we've kind of brought up the matter of authorship, perhaps one of the reasons that the authorship is sometimes questioned is because of the way the author talks about himself. And so just the, the very first phrase where we hear about who the author is and who the audience is, he says, the elder to the elect lady and her children. So talk about this way that John, I'm with you, the way John refers to himself as the elder. Why the elder? 
I don't even know if you're you're emphasizing the right syllable. Um, I want to say the elder, um, not just okay. an elder, but he is he is the guy. Um, so so elder in the scriptures, uh, it, it's it's not sort of used in the same way that church polity inside of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod operates today, where this is a lay office that has been instituted by men to sort of you know, um, in practice maybe help all with some odds and ends and uh, be sort of a sounding board. And depending on your your particular congregation's constitution, maybe a little more or a little less. Uh, this this is a word for pastor. Um, and an elder is somebody who has um, had hands laid upon him, who is sent out by the Holy Spirit through the immediate means of, of um, the, the church or through the immediate means of, of God directly speaking to him in the person of Jesus saying, go do this. Um, but, but, but he uses the term here, not just an elder, but the elder. This is later on in John's life um, when he has... He has gained enough respectability to sort of be one of the elder voices in in the room. He he is not just a pastor speaking. When when he speaks, everybody stops and listens. Um, as Second John is being penned, John writes not just sort of um, waving an, an air of. Uh, of pride, an air of, of uh, a demand for respect, but just sort of an understanding of when he writes, everybody's going to listen. And so if he's going to speak from a position of this authority, uh, the elder, um, then what he speaks is, is going to matter in a wider context. Again, this is why I don't know that this this letter can be purely looked at entirely to the just for one lady to read and maybe share with her kids at the supper table. This is meant to be distributed simply by the the um, the indirect or excuse me by the direct article that is applied to the very first word of the letter. The elder means that that John is not just a pastor, uh, but he's he is he's sort of he's big cheese. Okay, but it's, okay. So the elder, the pastor, and and yet he doesn't say the apostle. He does use that term that is more familiar that, you know, would be applied to any old pastor, if I can say it that way. So there is maybe a, I don't know, there, there's a sense of comfort there too, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and here we sort of lay out that pastors are pastors. There's not degrees of, of being a pastor. Once you're a pastor, you're a pastor and you're all the way a pastor and there's no halvesies. Um, but at the same time, um, not all pastors are apostles. The, the apostles are the, the blessed 12 who are sent out, who, who speak with the authority to not only echo the scriptures, but even to, to, to pen them. Um, uh, the, this, the apostles are those who then are, are those who have been given care to, to make known the word of God in a direct from the source kind of way. But, but to be a pastor, though, is it's to care for souls. It's to care for those souls to, to whom you were charged. So you're, you're right. Um, when John sort of lays hold of, of this term elder, he has, he has right to call himself more. Um, but, but he's, by, by labeling himself this, he's going to be speaking then, um, and, and we'll see more of this in the context of the letter, to the, the care of the church uh, that, that gathers uh, in the home of, of this uh, elect lady. It's yeah. the children. Yeah, so you see the the pastoral nature of the apostolic office. Even it, Peter in his first epistle will speak to the elders, and he says, as a fellow elder himself. So that, you know, think about the way that John ends his gospel, the recommissioning of Peter to go and tend the flock. We're going to see John doing that here as the elder. Now, to the elect lady and her children, you, I think, have already started at least to tell us that we're probably not talking about an individual lady but something else who who's the elect lady and her children so uh this is there there's a people who again you can read into this as much or as little as you want um and the the, the scripture sort of lends itself to to certain interpretation but um the the, the greek word is is lord it's curia um it, it, it's lordus excuse me um this is almost as if 
well, if, if Jesus is the Lord and his bride is the church, um, th this might actually be then written to a, a church and we are God's children here inside of it. Um, when we speak then uh, to, to this, this lady of, of the church, uh, the lady and her children, the elect lady and her children, uh, the word that you maybe want to focus on to, to help the most, instead of sort of guessing how broad the audience is, is maybe just elect. Um, if, if she is elect, we can already speak to the, all that we really need to. Um, it, it, these, this, is, this is a faithful child of God, baptized. Uh, that, that's how you know you're elect. You're, you're not elect because God you know, picked a, a handful, but not another handful, and we'll find out later, but nobody really knows until the last day. You're not elect because you're, you have uh, chosen God. You're elect because he, is, he has chosen you in the waters of your baptism. This is where in time and space, he has elected you to salvation. And so for, for this elect lady and her children, um, for, for her household, uh, here we get to sort of say, these are the ones who have heard God's word and received it in faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm, all right, so the elder to the elect lady and her children. Let's go ahead and read the text of this entire epistle. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face, so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. That is our text for today. That is the epistle of Second John. You know, just, just reading through that as a whole right then, especially again, just having read First John, this, you know, we, we talked a little bit about this with First John. First John doesn't read much like an epistle, at least not in the sense that Paul's epistles have that certain structure. This one has that structure. And so to see this as a cover letter to 1 John, and again, I have no proof or anything like that, but I could see that because this reads like the letter, and then, okay, now here's the sermon you read to the church. For what that's yeah, worth. I, I just, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's it's a, a place where, again, even just sort of recognizing too, um, I, I was sort of taught in, in seminary that the epistles are, are sermons. Um, Right. But even as, as um, John closes this, this letter of Second John, he, he flat out says, like, this isn't as good as actually preaching at you. Um, that right. We're, we're going to work with what we got, but um, I, I, would rather, I would rather this be face-to-face. -face. Um, yeah. to, to sort of actually address uh, the, the, the saints in time and space, though, it, it matters. And so when you have sort of a, um, 
I, I don't know if it, it's a different, differently structured, we'll call it a differently structured epistle like First John um, to sort of lend this structure. It, it, it matters um, because it, it starts to place in time and space uh, particular saints with particular needs being met by a, a particular gospel. That, that's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to the text then, we've talked about the introduction, the elder to the elect lady and her children. And then we start hearing these words that we've grown so familiar with from the gospel and from the first epistle, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also who know the truth because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Uh, Let's start with truth. Let's start with truth. Hmm. Uh, Let's start with Jesus then. I am the way and the truth and the life. Um, no one will come to the Father except through me. Um, when we start to speak about this truth, we, we get to recognize that truth matters. Um, I, I believe it's it's Paul who will talk about uh, the truth as a pillar that, that holds up the church uh, as well. But but here we actually get to see um, something that, that is probably pretty timely today. Um, Paul, or excuse me, John, uh, loves the church and her children in truth. That that uh, truth is the place that love exists. Um, we we've very much sort of come to a place where we, as a society, believe that we have been able to divorce love from any particular truth. But truth uh, is is actually sort of the home for love to to exist, to thrive, to grow, and to threaten the truth. Then is to threaten love. Um, and, and so when we start to speak about what it is that 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 we do as the church. Um, there, there's been sort of a false dichotomy painted by the world where if you really, really loved somebody, you wouldn't tell them the truth. Um, you, you would back away from teachings. Um, but but to, to, uh, to, to actually love somebody would be to have nothing to do with actually telling them the gospel, but maybe giving them a sandwich if they were hungry, um, to affirming them in all of their, their, their choices, uh, and to sort of just wishing, wishing well for them. And then to speak the truth, that, that's something else entirely. And if you really want to hear it, that's fine. But um, if, if you hear the truth, understand that love is a different thing. Uh, here, here, John has nothing to do with that. He, he will say, if I love you, I love you in the truth. There is a place for it. Those little words actually matter sometimes the most. Um, I know they're not as fancy and your pastor won't sort of think as well of you if you can only say the word in as opposed to like justification or propitiation. But at the same time, in tells you that there's a place you can actually look to find where to find where to find love. And, and that also means then uh, for the church, we have a, a specific job. If we are to to love God and, and to love our neighbor, the thing that we ought to be leaning into is the truth. Um, for us as the church, in a day where truth is challenged and love is upheld, we get to say it's not either or. Um, it's in fact by loving somebody that we we, we not only abide ourselves in the truth, but we, we call them to exist inside of it too. That's not simply um, reject the societal norms of those things around you, but but rather it's it's more. There is There is hope. There is actual hope that is so concrete that it has destroyed the grave. We, we, we are now, as we record this in the season of Easter, where death has been undone. And this is most certainly true. It's not just a little bit true. It's, it's most certainly catechetical true. And from this, we know the full love of God, that he gave his life to save ours. Um, if we're going to actually start to share this love with one another, if we're going to start to exist in this world where there are so many things that will chip away at love, that will try and pry back from love, the one thing to sort of double down upon it's the truth, because if you stand inside of that truth, love will thrive. It might be painful, it might be sacrificial, it might not always be pleasant, but at the same time, the, the thing that, that upheld, upholds all of it is not sort of how you feel in any given moment, but is is this thing true? I want, yeah. I want more of that. Yeah, yeah, you just, you pretty well just summarized the entirety of First John there, and that, that connection between truth and love. John has made that plain in the first epistle, 
we're seeing those theme, themes come up here, that you cannot love apart from the truth. And he, he uses, a, again, another key word for John. He talks about the truth abiding in us. So how does that happen, that the truth abides in us so that we will love? Well, I mean, I guess the place to go, since we've, we've already noticed the connection, would be First John. First uh, John chapter 5, um, the apostle says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is truth. So not only is Jesus the way and the truth and the life, but the Holy Spirit is the truth. And we know this simply because, well, it's the Holy Spirit who brings you Jesus. We, we know Jesus uh, by water and by blood. We, we, we have received Jesus by water and by blood. We, we are baptized. We eat and drink his body and blood. And uh, this, this truth actually bears love. This truth that, that you receive and wear every single day in the waters of your baptism, this truth that you eat and drink the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins delivered by the Holy Spirit brings truth. And so to abide in truth is um, probably important to note that it's, it's not simply have you won the most fights on the internet. Uh, it, it's actually, have you received the most gifts from God? Uh, this, this actually might be worth reflecting upon um, because Lutheran internet loves to be right. Um, Lutheran podcast loves to be right because we're really, really good at it most of the time. Uh, we've got the confessions. We've got the scriptures. We have the right answers and we just cheat and copy them. And it's, it's good. That's what you're supposed to do. But at the same time, uh, to actually abide in it is not simply to tell other people why they are wrong and you are right. It's to actually go to the place where where true is is not only established but bestowed but but given to you so that you can uh, you can also be in this truth because love is in truth and so I want to be in truth so that I can also receive the love of God and and also if I'm going to share it with my neighbor it's got to come from somewhere this is this is where it comes from um, we we abide uh, in the truth um, and and this is not a a, a once in a wild situation but it is it is simply a reality for us it um of, of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever it's not going away this gospel that we have is unchanging this victory that we have over grave is is untakeawayable um what what we have here is is uh, a christ who has conquered sin death and the power of the devil and has united you to the victory and and actually has made that such a a, a tangible thing that every once in a while abiding in this truth you can look around and actually see little glimpses of love even amongst sinners who dwell on this side of the this side of the grave yeah what a fantastic what a fantastic opening and we haven't even gotten to the greeting yet three grace mercy and peace will be with us from god the father and from jesus christ the father's son in truth and love now, these are some of those words that we hear so often at the beginning of our pastor's sermon that we usually just think we know what he's going to say and we we don't listen but john he throws a, a word in there that you might not hear your pastor say every Sunday, and it's worth paying attention to. What is, what's John doing here in verse 3? It's still these little words, isn't it? Um, yeah, he says it, it will be with us. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us. And and that maybe I'll steal that next time I'm up um, because like it, it changes it from a formula into a promise. Um, it's not shorthand for the sermon is starting now. Put away your checkbook, stop writing, and pay attention. It, it, it's actually saying, no, there, there is going to be something that's going to come to you. And and you can even start to look where it's going to come from. It's going to, to be as a result of having truth and having love. Um, if you have truth, you have love because love abides in truth. And so if you have truth and you have love, 
with those then will be grace and mercy and peace. We're going to talk more about that in detail, and that's what the rest of the sermon is going to be. But but we, we get to start to see um, that, that grace, mercy, and peace will be with us, and, and we can actually expect that. We, we have been promised those things. It's, it's not just sort of like, again, we as Christians have, have sort of developed shorthand, so much so that like we, we can actually play with it in maybe not so helpful ways. Like every once in a while, if, if it's time for, for every, the room to quiet down and it's a whole churchly bunch, the pastor will do something un, un, uncomfortable. He'll just randomly say real loud, the Lord be with you. And then you got to figure out whether or not you're going to respond and also with you or and with thy spirit. And, and somebody's going to at least be a little bit contrary and it's going to be me it's, and with thy spirit. Uh, but also, yeah. uh, that's that's not what that's for. This isn't just sort of Christian shorthand for we're going to pay attention now. Um, but but rather, this is this is actually a promise. Um, I, I can find the Holy Spirit preaching from my pastor. And when, when, when the pastor says, the Lord be with you, that's a promise too. He, he's here. We're not just going to pay attention for whatever you know introductions, announcements, or, or pre-dinner prayer that we have. But but rather something is is really happening, and and it's actually easy to miss because. We, we go looking for love in places that aren't in truth. We go looking for love in, in just sort of the raw emotion of it. We go looking for love in what feels good. We go looking for love in sort of what, what affirms or makes us, um, makes us, us uh, I don't know, feel, feel nice. But, but rather, ha- have you heard that Christ is risen from the grave? Have you heard that Jesus was crucified for you? That is love. A- and that will bring grace and mercy and peace. And that, that baptism that you have into the death and resurrection of Jesus, it actually does give you the, the truth. It does give you the love. It does give you all of these things. And the Lord is with you, there, there is sort of a, a root cause of all of these things and even um, a, a place with it because he'll sort of continue. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from, the, uh, from God, the Father, and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, in truth, and love. Um, we, have, we have grace, mercy, and peace. We have love and truth from the Father and from the Son um, because, well, nobody comes to the Father except through the Son. And so the, the, the place of the church, the, the, the in of the church, that little word that, that really matters to bring about that little promised will that, that's really important, it's just Jesus. Be near Jesus. Is Jesus being preached in your church? That's real good. Um, that, 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 that's what we want. Um, and in fact, where, where the letter is going to go is when Jesus is not being preached uh, in, in church, at least not the real Jesus, that, that's where real bad things come. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to find a new way to get my Bible studies attention now, Pastor Goodman. Real sorry. Yeah, that's okay. You're, you're, but you're right. I mean, and, and what the way that he says it here, you know, will be with us. That that certainly Paul's got the same thing going on when he talks about grace and peace to you. It is it is more than just a a formula. There is a gift that is happening there. Same thing when your pastor says it at the beginning of his sermon. It is more than just a formula to kind of ease you into the real stuff. No, grace and peace are being delivered to you, and in these very specific ways through God the Father and his son, Jesus Christ, in truth and love. This is something that is being given at the moment. So John then continues, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. He uses the language of walking in the truth here. How does that help us? Yeah, truth actually looks like something. Love actually looks like something. Um, walking in truth means this is not simply an idea, but but an action, a, a, a practice. There is there is a a liturgy to love. Um, it, it's it, there there is an action that that sort of goes along with it. And so if I say that I love you, um, there there is a sacrifice that comes with it. It, it means that I will actually walk in it. Um, uh, for for us, we we define these things both the same. Um, because again, love and and truth are are bound together. Um, look at the Ten Commandments. This is what this is what love looks like. When you're told to love your neighbor, you get to look to the law and say, 
it would actually be good for my neighbor if I if I held these Ten Commandments to, to be good and, and godly. Um, it would actually, they're not simply true, um, which is most of where we spend our time bickering with the rest of the world is whether or not the commandments are true. Um, I, it might actually be worth reflecting that this is also love. The, the law is, is a place where we, we are given shape to love each other because otherwise the, the way that we love each other will, will be twisted in on itself every single time. God straightens it out here. Um, and so when we're called to sort of walk in truth and in love, it, it means don't just sort of have nice ideas and share them uh, with each other, but continue to go back to the source um, because we were commanded to walk in truth and love by the Father. Truth has a source. It's not just sort of in your own heart. Love has a source too. And that's also not just in your own heart. It, it, it still comes from the Father through the Son. The Father speaks through the Word, the capital W Word. In the beginning was the Word, John Hay, um, but delivered by the Holy Spirit. So uh, John, as he writes to the church, he, he rejoices greatly to find the children actually walking in truth. That, that means they're, they're practicing the liturgy. That means they're going to church and, and having the divine service. They, they're eating and drinking the body and blood of Jesus. He, they are consuming the way and the truth and so receive the life because you're not going to walk in this on your own. We can go back to Paul. I know it's a different apostle, but it'll be all right. He was, uh, Paul in Ephesians says, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in, you want, in which you once walked. Um, and so if you're going to walk in, in love, you have to be made alive in in Christ Jesus. The the uh, the, the children, um, the, the sum we can talk about, that that's not a happy word, but there's still some joy in, in the sum. Um, the sum of the children that are walking in the, the truth and, and in the love that goes with it to receive the grace and the mercy and the peace, uh, they're the ones who are receiving the thing that makes dead alive. They're, they're receiving Jesus. Um, it it's, means that the law is good, uh, but the law is, is not only fulfilled in Jesus for us, but, but uh, Jesus actually empowers us, calling us out of the grave to love each other in the same way. Uh, that this means that we don't sort of set aside uh, the, the, the little love that is the law, but, but rather we, we say this law that Jesus fulfilled for me is, is so good. It is so, so wonderful that I can look to my neighbor and say, wouldn't it be good if you had it too? I'm not going to be able to do it perfectly, but I know where to go when I can't. And so again, the idea that I would sort of walk away from the church so that I can do the law, that's as ridiculous as saying the dead people who walk in, in the ways of the world can do the law. I, instead, rather, walk with Jesus, go to church, receive the gifts, eat and drink the body and blood, and there the rest, the rest will start to follow. Hear the word of God as if it's actually true, both parts of the law and the gospel. And, and then from there, the rest will follow. Um, John rejoices greatly to find, even if it is just some of the children walking in the truth, um, because th there is there is salvation happening here. It's not simply measured in how many people are being right online, and it doesn't matter how many people are, are attending church each Sunday, but rather the word of God is being preached. People are hearing. Souls are being won. God be praised. Everything is all right. God be praised. John rejoices, so do we. We're going to keep looking at this epistle on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking to Pastor Harrison Goodman this morning about Second John. We will be right back. Please stick around.
Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Thursday, May 4th. We're studying 2 John with Pastor Harrison Goodman. He is the content executive for the Lutheran Youth Organization, Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, prior to the break, we were looking at verse 4. You talked about the shape of truth, that we would walk in it. And now in verse 5, John is going to connect that truth to the love. So I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. Here again, John is connecting truth to love. Absolutely. Um, dear lady, dear, I, I'm going to say dear bride of Christ, um, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, not as though though Christianity looks different, that you have outgrown the law and don't need it anymore, not as though that the law has somehow actually gotten worse either, which is maybe one of those things that we should contend with, that the law that we are bound to is the same law that, that it was before it. We're not going to fulfill it on our own. Jesus has to. Um, but, but rather, there is no new commandment. This is the same one that we've had from the beginning, like the very beginning. Like again, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And well, eventually that word was made flesh to dwell among us as, as a light shining in the dark place. The darkness doesn't get to overcome the light if the light is there. Um, when we start with that, then, um, the, the measurement of, of love one another takes a better shape. And, and that matters if you've ever actually been to church more than like once or twice as a visitor uh, where people are extra nice to you. Pretty soon you're going to find out that that's a box full of sinners and they, they actually do sin against each other. It's, it's one of the more painful things is, is when actual brothers and sisters in Christ don't just quarrel but full-on hate each other, uh, full-on war, full-on sin against each other. Um, I can look inside of the church and I can say, there is no love here if I'm only going to go by the sins by which all of the members bring into the sanctuary, but rather I have to go to Jesus dwells in that sanctuary. And Jesus is the way and the truth and the life and, and the love that exists here. It's not only in him, not only forgiving my sins, but the sins of those who have sinned against me in that church, but it's, it's also the, the, the love that, that is so potent and, and real that it would actually dare us to love each other in the face of our sins, not because our sins are now, um, they, they are now those things that should be upheld or, or, um, or, or, or called good or affirmed or any of those other words, but, but rather simply that you are a sinner that Jesus died for. And so the emphasis matters there too. It's no longer you are a sinner that Jesus died for, but you are a sinner that Jesus died for. And and here love starts to to conquer. Um, the the commandments don't change. They don't get easier. They don't get harder. But rather, love is the thing that starts to to shape all of this. But that love is is already again not only demanded but but answered and given because the the law will demand more than we can give. But the gospel provides everything that the law demands. And so when the law demands that we love one another, the gospel is that we are loved in Christ Jesus. Hmm. So take us then into the next verse, because then John continues with this thought of love and walking in it. He says, this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. Now, when I hear him, when I hear John say, this is love, I'm expecting him to say what he says in 1 John, <laughs> not that we loved him, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for his sins. Here he says, this is love, we walk according to his commandments. But I'm guessing those two things are actually connected. 
I was going to say they're they're not so different. The, the the problem is is only when we try and measure Second John instead of First John, uh, because they are both true. Uh, this is love that that uh, we we have Him who loved us, and as long as we're measuring that, is Jesus still risen from the grave? Did He still die for you? Then I don't have to look at myself and say, well, do I do I actually walk in these commandments enough? Because if I'm going to look at my own feet, I don't. I, I sin greatly all the time, and, and even sort of my best shaped efforts and intentions are at best a confusing jumble of I don't know what to do because I'm want two things at the same time. Uh, but but rather here, we get to start with those things that are, are, are simple and established so that we can look at the more confusing stuff and actually know which way to go because, well, his word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, here, we're, we're looking at this not simply as, as the, the uh, sort of standard why, which I ought to be aiming for, but rather the fulfillment of everything. This love, it, it, it is shaped by the Ten Commandments when we look to our neighbor, but the Father's love is manifest in the Son. So when God loves us, it looks like the gospel. Um, this is actually the thing that, that we, we walk in. Um, it, it's not just sort of us doing the things that Jesus also did, but rather him doing them for us. And so we have um, the fulfilling of the law that Jesus did for us, the suffering and death upon the cross that he did for us, and, and the desire to be near to all of those things because they, they, they give us life. Um, for, for us, when we start to, to pull away from um, the commandments, we're always going to end up pulling away from Jesus because he is the fulfillment of those commandments. Like you, you have to recognize that when you want to sort of minimize the, the commandments because you don't want to be convicted of them, you end up pulling away from, well, the fulfillment of them, which is, which is Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So this is the commandment just as you've heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. Walk in that truth that is love. Now, you mentioned earlier, John says he rejoices greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. You talked about the sum, and perhaps in verse 7, we, we get the reason for the sum. He talks about many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Again, having just read 1 John, John talks about these people coming out of the church. So maybe perhaps that's the reason we've got the sum that he's rejoicing in is because the other sum, these are the deceivers that have gone out in verse seven. Yeah, this is like sad trombone sound. Um, here we actually sort of have to contend with the fact that um, the, the problem isn't the world. The problem is, is people who have heard the word, believed it, and then left that. Um, they're coming out of the church. And that doesn't mean just out of the building, but out of the, the, the proper church. Uh, they are leaving the faith and, and then deceiving not only those in the church, but even deceiving those in the world by not confessing the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Um, when we start to talk about this, the, the directionality, it, it matters. We always sort of want to paint the world as the biggest problem in the church, because then I never have to actually call you a sinner. I can just say you live in a sinful place. Try not to get too dirty uh, when, you, when you stay inside. Uh, but that the reality is inside of the church, there is schism. Um, Jesus even goes so far himself as to sort of mark the, the wolves that, that are, are set upon the flock as a mark of the true church. That if there are truly the sheep of God there, the wolf will be there. And if there's not a wolf in your church, you're probably not in the right church. Um, it, it, it's really painful in the middle of all of it. And, and, and it's, it's, it's sort of the inverse that, that proves the true. But if, if there is schism inside of your church, if, if, if there is, is ugly, if there is false belief inside of your church going out into the world, it's sort of also a sign that, well, you're in the right place. Um, not because those things are good. They're, they're not. They're, they're real bad. John is not happy. Don't be happy either. But, but rather, uh, we get to say, this is something that, that is, is contended by the devil, the world, and 
our own sinful flesh. We're going to start to contend with with sort of how these things interplay as well, because uh, John will say that that this one is is the deceiver and the antichrist, um, and the direct article the it, it still matters here too. Um, it's it's a, a place where we can get to to antichrist, but um, even just sort of get getting to how we do this, um, because whenever we say antichrist, everybody gets like real, real mystic, real, real fast, and always labels it on a political party that they didn't vote for. Um, so instead of that, <laughs> we can we can say that it, it, it's actually rooted in those who deny the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. John is pointing at the Gnostics here, um, that the idea that uh, that denying. A Jesus who has a body, that God became man, and that, that, that God died on the cross and physically in his flesh rose from the dead, that, that he eat and drink his, his body and blood, um, and, and not simply spiritually as, as a metaphor, um, but, but just sort of uh, that, that, that Christianity is more than just a, a place where we all wish that our, our souls could escape this place. Every evil comes from that. All of the heresies come from that. This is actually the beginning of, of all heresy. The first major heresy that the Christian church had to contend with in the New Testament is Gnosticism. And if you tug hard enough on just about anything else, you're going to find it in there too. Um, we need to start with Jesus. We need to have a very, very good idea of the, the incarnation, of what that means. Because if you can't have justification without God who became man. You, you can't have Easter Sunday without God who physically rose from the dead. You, you can't even have a church that is the body of Christ um, without, again, a, an idea of a God who would actually have a care for a body in the first place. Uh, the idea that I can sort of be my own Christian and hate all of you guys and not have anything to do with you and just sort of love God in my own personal relationship with him, that's Gnosticism. That is a hating of Jesus Christ coming in the flesh because if he loves a body and we are the body of Christ, you're not allowed to hate the other Christians anymore. That's the body for which God not only loves but has joined you to you're, you're you're stuck there man and, and you can you can struggle with that daily he's going to have to drown that old adam but daily also the new man will rise when we start with that then we can start to get to antichrist because that's that's a loaded word and our confessions sort of i don't want to say they confuse the topic but they they sometimes let us just pin it all on the pope and and call it a day when in reality we need to contend with with what it is that's happening here um to do that uh if if i got a little bit of time we'll, we'll quote some john in the other places so uh we have first john we have uh the gospel of john and we have the revelation uh, according to saint john um where he can sort of contends with the idea of of um children of the devil of, of antichrists in this way um maybe just walking through them uh first john 3 8 whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, to, to make a liturgy of sinning, a practice of sinning, to, to make it your path and your goal, that is to set yourself against Christ, that is to be anti-Christ. First uh, John 3, by this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And there's two things there. Practice righteousness is not be a good person. Practice righteousness is to receive the things that make you righteous. It, it is to go to church and receive the gifts of, of word and sacrament. Those are the things that make you righteous. By works of the law, no one will be declared righteous. That's a Bible verse in the back there somewhere in Romans 3. Um, but, but rather, we, we go and receive righteousness. And from that, then we love our brother. Both of those things are true because, again, you're not allowed to hate the body of Christ. Uh, we can go to the Gospel of John. Uh, John 6, Jesus answered him, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil. Here he's talking about Judas. Um, we, we have a, a, a will that is set against the will and works of God. This, this is against Christ. Not simply to, to do naughty things, or, or, but to be set against the will and works of God, namely to save sinners. 
because that is the will and work of God. That this is this is the revealed will of God. That all of these things are done. These things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. To set yourself against that is to be against Christ. Uh, John eight: You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. Who is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. To reject the truth, to be outside of the truth, there's not going to be a lot of love there. And if Jesus is the truth, if you are against the truth, you're against Jesus. Um, this is, again, not simply like I sinned and messed up, but this is an intentional opposition to the will and works of God, to the, the confession of who Christ is. Um, it's important there because like, it's really easy to call somebody the Antichrist whenever they disagree with you on a minor matter or mess up in front of you. But this is, this is it. It's really simple. You, you lay out the will and work of God and you say, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And the Antichrist will say it's a bad thing. If, if uh, I don't know, hypothetically, Jesus were to say to the apostles, I'm going to go into Jerusalem and die and on the third day rise, it's going to be really good for you. And there was somebody who says, hypothetically, I've got a way better idea. Let's not do that. Um, the response should be, get behind me, Satan, in a hypothetical sense, of course. Um, because here, what we have is, is a pure opposition to the will and work of God. Not just, I messed up, but I would rather have something than you would give me to, to do. And then you can finally go to the, the, the crazy revelation and say the great dragon was thrown down in chapter 12, verse 9. That ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He has thrown him down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And here we get to even start to recognize the Antichrist as the demons, um, the, the devil who is, is at work. Um, all of these things sort of get rounded up together and you're not just going to pin them all on the Pope or that guy you don't like on the internet, uh, but, but rather you get to measure it instead of just saying, this is something I'm against, but rather, are you against the will and work of God? Yeah, I, th I think that, you know, the very helpful thing that the Lutheran confessions do in identifying the Pope and this is maybe what's surprising about it, is it's the Pope, the guy who's yeah. supposed to be in charge of the Church. And, and what you were saying earlier about that this comes from out of the Church, that these are Christians who have fallen away, I think that's mm -hmm. what's so helpful about that, is that, that surprising nature of where we're looking for that danger. We're, we're looking for those political rulers who, who in, do intend to harm Christ's Church, and, and certainly that's not good. But, but the danger that John's identifying is that one that's coming out of the church that would set up something other than the will of God, that Christ would die for your sins. That's the real danger. And, and that's what I think the Lutheran Confessions and identifying the papacy, Absolutely. that's just such a helpful thing. Yeah, and, and where we get to start to see what it is the Pope does that makes him the Antichrist, because he is. Um, it, it's, I, I'm not proud of that. I'm not happy. But, but he sets himself up in the throne of God and says, I will dispense out righteousness. You, you come to me, not to him. And also it costs now. Um, those are the things that set you against the will and work of God. It, it's not a happy thing, but you can find an example of it there. Yeah. So John then says in verse 8, watch out for this. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Help us into that verse. Yeah. Um, this is something that, that we need to actually hang on to then. Um, Jesus uh, actually says to them in, in John chapter 6, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. So the thing that you you uh, you receive the the reward on is the belief that Jesus does for you. Uh, he he by the power of the Holy Spirit sends uh, faith to you, and you you cling to that faith. You live in that faith, and and you abide in that faith. You you build that faith. You you go to church and receive more with that faith. Um, to watch yourself that you may not lose what you have worked for. That's not going to come by your sin, but by your unbelief. 
um, it, it's, it's important to sort of distinguish here uh, that this is actually where, uh, if you want to start to talk about sin, you can only talk about mortal sin in this way. Um, it, it's, it's sort of that, that sin that finally divorces you from faith, that, that sin that, that has uh, so been worn down into us that uh, at the end of the, the day, you simply say, nah, I'm better here in sin uh, than I am with God. I am against the will and work of God. Uh, instead, we are to, to watch yourself. Do you, do you have the truth? Remember, go all the way back up to the beginning of the letter, because this is all where it really starts. Walk in truth. In truth, there is love. In truth, you are in Christ. It's, it's always a call back to, to that. Yeah, well, and, and that call back comes again in verse 9. Those who go on ahead and do not abide in the teaching of Christ, that person does not have God. Those who do abide in the teaching have both the Father and the Son. There is, again, abide in this truth. It's found in the teaching of Christ. Right. Um, to, to leave behind Christ is to leave behind the church. It is to leave behind Christianity. Uh, if, you abide, if you leave behind the teachings of Christ, you do not have God. And, and so um, what's funny is how often this is actually done in the name of Christianity. Um, that, that In the name of Christianity, we would get more people to, to go to church if we just stopped harping on this whole creation bit. If we stopped harping on this whole Sixth Commandment bit, uh, then more people would definitely love Jesus. But the, the problem is, uh, again, when you get further from the law, you get further from the one who fulfilled it, which is Jesus, and that includes the Sixth Commandment stuff, and that includes the creation stuff, and that includes so many places where faith does, it, it, it has to wrestle, because it is against what old Adam says, because it is against old Adam. Old Adam is supposed to die, new man is supposed to rise. Um, it, when, when we sort of are, are contended uh, with the idea that we have to sacrifice truth in order to gain souls, uh, you, you got to recognize that if you are sacrificing truth, whatever it is you have left, it can't save souls. It, it's not possible right. to, to go on um, without the fellowship of the church, to, to go on in and intentionally pursue heresy, uh, to, to go on, and even with the best of intentions to do so, um, is always going to leave you farther from Jesus. Um, and you see it done sort of in, in different practices, too. Uh, the, the people who go on ahead, that, 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 that's that not being in church anymore, they're, they're, or in truth anymore. There's a locality to it, uh, to go on ahead. Um, sometimes you go on ahead without the fellowship of the church. Like, I'm going to just make my way in this world without actually having other Christians or the Word of God and the sacraments in it. Um, sometimes it is to pursue a point where you're sure the church is wrong, which is usually because you, you heard the word of God, but you tried to push on one point a little bit too far. A lot of heresy sort of pops up because you're trying too hard to be right about one particular point and not hearing the rest of the word of God. Um, and sometimes it, it's actually, uh, just to pursue worldly things. Uh, it might be important to talk about politics here uh, again, because it has very much become a, an idol, a, a bale inside of the church in a lot of ways um, that, that has sort of been co-mingled with the proper worship of God. That doesn't mean that there aren't rights and wrongs that are important to pursue in society, but it does mean that if you think that you have somehow gone ahead of simply preaching Jesus for the forgiveness of sins to talk about more important things that always have to do with voting a certain way or behaving a certain way politically, you have left it behind the church. You, you, you've left. Um, and, and there you, you need to be called to repentance because uh, to not abide in the teaching and move on from it, even if it is in a different way uh, than, than sort of abjectly just like cursing the name of God and spitting, it is still to leave behind, well, Jesus. And John shows how serious a matter this is when he talks about those who would come without this teaching, who would bring some other teaching. John says, don't welcome into your house, don't give them a greeting because... To do so is to take part in his wicked works. What is John saying in those two verses? 
Right. We get to recognize a little leaven leavens the whole lump here, um, that, that it, it, it actually does matter, even if it is just on, on, a, on a point. Um, that, that doesn't mean like immediately throw somebody out of uh, church, never actually say hi to them again if they disagree with you on any point. Uh, again, maybe Lutheran Internet could, could take ear. Um, but, but rather recognize what, what's going on here. Again, this is why I think this is, this is to a church and not a particular home and just like one woman, but, but rather the, the Christians inside of this, this uh, congregation that is the Bride of Christ. Um, to greet somebody in Christ is different from like saying what's up. Um, it's not don't talk to anybody who doesn't believe like you or, or, or even don't talk to those who have fallen away. The scriptures actually teach against that. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 points out that you're supposed to talk to those who have fallen away. Uh, Hebrews 6, 6. And then, having, uh, and then uh, those who have fallen away are, are restored again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to content. Uh, the verse is Hebrews 6, 6, uh, that we are to restore in gentleness and repentance those who have fallen away. Um, the, the idea is that we treat non-Christians like non-Christians, even in church. We treat them like they need Jesus, not like they already have Jesus. And that's how you treat a non-Christian. It's not that you treat them as somebody who is worse. It's not somebody who, who is to look down upon or somebody who, who somehow is, is um, not somebody you're allowed to associate with, but it's somebody who doesn't have Jesus. If there's somebody in your life who doesn't have Jesus, just acknowledging that fact is 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 a healthy thing. Pretending like they already have Jesus when they don't isn't doing them a favor. That's not love. It's not true. And so there's not hope there. If there is then somebody who comes to you not bringing the teaching of Jesus Christ come in the flesh, don't pretend like everything's okay. We actually need to talk about this. Not saying we're going to ignore you, but you maybe shouldn't come to communion with us. We maybe shouldn't greet you as one who is in Christ, but rather who is one who should be in Christ. Yeah, yeah. Now, John then turns quickly toward a conclusion of this short epistle. In, in verse 12, this is such, such a wonderful verse. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Or perhaps we should say, I would rather not use Zoom. Instead, mm-hmm. I hope to come to you and talk face-to-face so that our joy may be complete. Talk about this joy that John wants complete by being face-to-face. Oh man, there is such a gift of fellowship. We, we found this out in COVID, that, that it actually didn't do as well. But this is actually... Um, I, I serve my fancy title as the content executive to higher things, a recognized service organization of, of the Lutheran Church, Missouri. And I'm not tied to an altar. Um, I go to church every every Sunday. I, I, I sit in the pew with my son. I have a pastor who actually gets to, to talk to face-to-face and not by Zoom. It's better to be face-to-face. But it's probably important for me especially, to say there is not the internet church. There is no such thing as an internet pastor. And it's better actually do these things face-to-face. The work that, that Higher Things does to, to produce this content, the work that, that KFUO does to produce this content is wonderful and laudable and, and to be upheld and supported. Please consider donating to both organizations. But um, it's better to also see you face-to-face. I can't wait to see you in conference. I, w- I would love to see you on Sunday uh, at my church. I-, I would love to to share in the gifts of God and actually hear the preached word like directly to my ears. These things are, are good, and the church is strengthened by this fellowship. It, it does us harm to be apart from one another. Um, it-, it can be maintained. We, we, can-, we can make this work. It-, it, is- it is also not ideal. Yeah, that's right. And and I would add too, you know, for for all the wonderful things KFUO and higher things both do, neither one substitutes for your local congregation. And I'm not Absolutely. your pastor. I mean, well, I might some of you are members of the congregation I serve, so I might be your pastor, but I'm not your pastor. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? Like this is yeah. this is not a substitute for your local pastor, the one God has put in your life to deliver his goods to you. 
go to church, have the joy of being face to face with the body of Christ in a, in a congregation. That is the fullness of joy yeah. and going to be made even fuller when we're all together in eternity. Oh, God be praised. Amen. Yeah. So give us then verse 13, the children of your elect sister greet you. So the elect lady has an elect sister, Pastor Goodman. What are, what are we talking about yeah. in this last verse? I think this is actually more of the same from verse 1 and verse 12. This is the fellowship of other churches. Um, th- there is another lady. There is another congregation. There, You have a sister who is elect, uh, another, uh, well, part of the bride of Christ that is is the church. Uh, the church is actually meant to be together. And here, this is this is actually a, a gift that lets organizations like KFUO or Higher Things thrive, is that there are a bunch of us that teach and believe and love in the same truth, in the same confession, in the same Christ. And, and well, we greet one another as, as brothers and sisters in Christ with joy. Um, and so even though I don't get to, to go to church in Illinois, I know it's being taught there. Um, and and I, I thank God for it. And uh, from, from my congregation here in, in Mount Vernon, Iowa, we send our, our, our regards, our greetings, because we, we stand in the same truth. We stand in the same love that, that actually extends then even outside of the face-to-face meetings, because we are joined together. Even if we can't be face-to-face with each other, we are face-to-face with Christ. And that's, that's actually how we are bound together. Um, I am bound to you in, in the best of ways because like the zoom connection was a little finicky when we got going with this recording but but right now though we are still both firmly and till eternity bound to christ in our baptism and so we we get to be with each other here too which which is a joy yeah yeah and i mean again not knowing that this is for sure a cover letter to the epistle but john starts this way in first john he's talking about the fellowship the koinonia that we share and we share that in Christ. We, we share in the things of him, and so we share together in this fellowship. have about two minutes here, Pastor Goodman. Help us to wrap things up on this marvelous little epistle this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we sort of sit down with this, we get to recognize the truth and love are connected. And if we start with that, everything else that from that flows will 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 be in in sort of good order. But also keep going back to Jesus, which is how you know you're doing it right. Uh, we we start with this this simple truth: Christ is risen from the grave. We start with it this simple truth: uh, that that Christ forgives your sins. That that is love. Um, and that love looks like something. It looks like something when God loves you. It looks like something when He establishes a truth in the world that hell itself will not prevail itself against. And so you don't need to be so afraid about that truth being undone because it stands on the risen Lord, not on your ability to proclaim it and convince other people of it. But but rather, it, it is. It simply is because God speaks it and God gets what he wants when he talks. It's how there got to be light too. Um, and so when we start to talk about how we ourselves will walk in love, we get to go back to that very same Jesus. That love looks like something. And if you abandon that love, that truth, that also looks like something. That's bad. The deceivers that go out, the antichrist that assault the church, all of the schism, all of the war, all of the tumult and, and awful things that, that we, we all complain about outside of the voters meeting, that that's rooted in simply this. Is there more or less Jesus? Because there should be more. Um, the thing that we need to keep returning to over and over again is this simple truth that, that abides and we want to abide in it. Christ is risen from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins and for your neighbor's sins. When we keep returning to this, not simply as a reality, but to receive more of it, the church is sustained, it thrives, it grows, and we rejoice because of it. We get to look and see these things happen every single time you go to church and receive the good gifts of God. So go to church and receive the good gifts of God. Pastor Harrison Goodman is content executive for the Lutheran Youth Organization Higher Things. He has been helping us today to study Second John. Pastor Goodman, thanks for being our guest today. It was a privilege. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. 
If you have any questions about this epistle or 3 John, which is coming up tomorrow, or the book of Revelation, which we will be entering into next week, please send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a joy to hear from you. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again tomorrow.